0: As you guys all may know, I want to bring you guys back 10 years ago. You've all heard me talk about the place that I was at. I was at the top of my game financially and in business and things were going so well, but I just had this deep sense of smoldering discontent, right? Like I I had succumbed to the tyranny of they, by the way, right? Uh, What did they expect of me? How did they expect me to show up? How did they define success? And I was pursuing all of these things. And it was just this deep and growing and gnawing frustration, how much I should make, how much I should give, all these places of, I think, expectation and obligation. And as you guys know, through what happened to me, my accident, my recovery, God has done some amazing things. And yet, I want just, to just be really candid and share with you all 10 years ago, we were completely wiped out financially, and every step forward for my wife and I, Donna, has been completely in partnership with God and trusting Him, because what has happened and what we've built so far today is nothing I could have ever imagined 10 years ago. And in that, though, I got to tell you, the human side of things just keeps coming in for my wife and I, right? Is We're now, I'm 55, and she's 54, and we're like, okay, are we making enough? Are we saving enough? We'd like to give more. What do we do with our time? How do we grow our business to really meet our needs? How do we look at debt? We have some credit card debt. We have a car payment. We have a mortgage payment. And I gotta tell you, some of the mindsets that I see as I coach people and get to know people in this incredible eternal leadership community around money, including my own that I've just been working on though, but man, they're just a place that do not service well. They're flawed. And uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Bob Lotich, who's here today. Bob, first of all, just welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you, John. It's an honor to be here. Happy to chat.
0: Well, it's great to have you here because, you know, first of all, I want you guys to think about this. Bob, what, how old were you? Let's see, you were a little background. You were in your early 20s. You were mm-hmm. overwhelmed by debt. And now you find yourself stranded thousands of miles from home. And you had seven bucks to your name and you just started crying out to God for wisdom. Like you, like living like this was horrible and I get it. And um, what God downloaded to you was this biblically inspired formula. And you started casting some big dreams. You're broke. And you're like, what if I could give a million dollars away? <laughs> I love that. I'm like, okay, I'm broke you have enough money to go buy a in and out burger. Like that's it. Then you're yeah, done. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, what if I could give a million dollars away by the time I'm 40? What if I could pay off my house? What if I could step into, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this is my guess, into my full potential that God created me to be without money being a limiting source. Is that fair? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. And in that you just, you know what it says in James, right? Um, ask for wisdom. It says, God gives wisdom to all, liberally, without condemnation or criticism. All you think about that, God of the universe loves you individually, and whatever you come to him on, he's not going to go, oh, seriously, you're asking that question? Or, oh, no, dude, you're not thinking about it right now. He's not going to condemn. He's not going to criticize. He's going to give you the wisdom that you need because he has plans that are beyond you. Now, in that... For the last 14 years, you've been able to do that. First of all, give away a million, get debt-free. You've been able to reach out and serve over 50 million readers and listeners on your website. By the way, the website, guys, uh, go there. It's called Seedtime, S-E-E-D, seedtime.com. And you're coming out with a book that really gets deep into some of the things that we're gonna be talking about today because I think that getting clear on money whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're out there and you're a coach, whether you're working in a, uh, a company, it is critical. And, uh, but with that, Bob, I'd love to kind of rewind the tape a little bit cause I'm really looking forward to our conversation, but kind of bring us through that. I, I'd love for you to bring me through what led you to being a thousand miles from home broke and go crying out to God going, this is not what I was. This is not the life I want to live.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. It started with, um, really just a thing God dropped on my heart where I was living a kind of uh mediocre Christian walk with kind of one foot in the world, one foot kind of, you know, so on Saturday night, I'm living the life and then Sunday morning, I'm going to church and pretty much falling asleep most of the time because I was kind of hung over. And so I'm living that life and I sense God calling me to kind of take like a sabbatical, an extended sabbatical. And- uh, Wait, a
0: sabbatical from the Saturday night parties or a sabbatical well, from what?
1: <laughs> sabbatical is in moving away for a specific amount of time. So, okay. long story short, I, you know, I end up getting a place down in Florida, a beach town down in Florida, and I had no idea that the financial journey was going to be part of this whole equation of what he was doing in my heart because he was doing so much during this phase. But, uh, but anyway, so towards the end of that um, period, um, I pretty much had kind of run out of money and blown all my money that I had um, at that point. And so, yeah, so at that point, I was down to about seven dollars. I had one credit card kind of I always joke that my saving grace was that I only thought you could have one credit card. I didn't realize you could have multiples. And so I only had one credit card that was about two hundred and sixty dollars from being maxed out and uh, and I just picked up my paycheck. It was a Friday before my twenty first birthday. I picked up my paycheck. I was on my way back to the landlord um, or actually from the bank, actually, to um, pay my landlord because the rent was due that day. I mean as i'm driving down the road right in front of a minor league ballpark my car just stops like in the middle of the road Stops so fast i couldn't even pull over so i'm literally stopped in the middle of the road cars are driving by everybody's looking engine blew,
0: basically yeah
1: and i, I it ended up being an alternator um but oh. um we'll get to that in a minute so so it breaks down i'm sitting there i don't know anything about cars i keep turning the key it's not starting and um You know, and at this point, it's like it's a broken down car. That's not great. But as all these pieces come together, I realize this is becoming a really big problem because, again, I got to get Yeah, I have three hours to get back to my landlord and pay this rent. And if I don't, then she's going to tack on a $50 late fee. And it's only $50, you know, like for me right now, that's not that big a deal. But at that point, I didn't have an extra $50 because my paycheck was just enough to cover that rent. (laughs) So I didn't have the extra $50. And, and so I'm trying to figure out, all right, how can I possibly get my car towed and fixed and get back there? Like, and can do all this in, in um, three hours and do this for less than the $260 of available credit I have. And, you know, John, it was just like a life of financial chaos was like I had been hiding it. You know what I mean? But like it finally kind of came crashing down where I realized I have a problem. Like I thought I knew a whole bunch about money, but I actually didn't. And this was my kind of God, like waking me up to realize you have a lot to learn here. You have a lot to learn. And, uh, anyway, so sitting in that car that day, I remember just being behind the wheel and just grabbing the steering wheel and just kind of having my freak out moment where I realized, all right, God, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and if you have a better plan, if you have a better way, then I want to hear it. I'm all ears. And that was kind of that time where everything started to shift for me from that point.
0: And how did, how did you get, did you get the rent there in three hours?
1: I did. God worked and it you, out. How'd you
0: figure that out?
1: So yeah, long story short, um, I didn't know anyone in town, so I didn't even want to call, but I ended up calling, um, I think I had a AAA card or something like that. So they towed me to this thing. <laughs> I ended up getting to the mechanic, very grumpy guy. Um, I remember like trying to open the hood for him and he was really angry that I was trying to open the hood for him. Anyway, all that to say, it ended up being an alternator, cost me like $220 to get fixed. So then I went back and I had whatever an hour's worth of time to spare to get my um, get my uh, rent paid. Anyway, so it was just a crazy mess of an adventure. And, you know, and I obviously wasn't out of the woods. I still didn't have any money. I lived on macaroni and cheese for the next couple of weeks. And, you know, but that was my turning point where I started at least pointing in the right direction.
0: Yeah, you know that reminds me of a friend of mine they were in the same position they were up in um, um Oregon and they were in an apartment he and his roommate yeah. and they were both hunters and they had no money for food so at three in the morning they went out with a bow and arrow and got one of the Canadian geese that all hunker down <laughs> <laughs> and they- and they, they had to like clean, they went over to a park to clean it and brought it home. And Canadian geese aren't, by the way, they're not good to eat, but it's the, you know, they had some some hot goose, but- it But if you're good. hungry. <laughs> but, but, you yeah. know, for him, that was like, you know, for him, it was like, uh, like you remember the detail that the guy was upset that you were trying to help open yeah. the hood. Oh, yeah. I think all of us have those inflection points. Some of those places like, You're so stressed financially, all those details have this clarity and there's a reason because when when things are really associated with passion, good or bad, a purpose, like I don't like this, the brain puts those and all of a sudden they become a filter. Now, some of these things that these experiences that we go to, especially connected to money, they can either drive some really good habits and behaviors or subconsciously, unconsciously, actually drive some really long term detrimental behavior and i know i've I know that that has affected me with some things I've been through in life, but so that was the starting point you said you wanted to do something differently you're crying out to the Lord, and if I understand it right you feel like he shared like a pretty simple formula for you, which was really not anything you'd been taught before is that fair yeah yeah what was no, that? yeah I
1: mean over the next couple of years, I started reading every financial magazine and book I could get my hands on. Um, And then in that I discovered, wait, Proverbs talks a whole lot about money. Ecclesiastes talks about money, you know, and many other places throughout the Bible as well. And there's a lot of biblical wisdom about money. And and so I just started kind of like, you know, pulling from this side, pulling from this side. It's like, all right, how do we connect these dots? And through all that, like um, at some point I discovered this quote from John Wesley, because in all this, I'm also wrestling with a lot of the theological baggage around money and you know in different uh, denominations viewing things very differently and just trying to sort through this like is it wrong that i'm trying to earn money like how much is too much and like all this stuff and anyway end up finding this john wesley quote i'll give you the modern version instead of the old english version but essentially he said you know i work um and he was mostly a writer and preacher and he said i work to write to earn all that i possibly can and then I save all I can. And by save he meant reduces expenses and just not waste money on stuff. And he said, and I do both of those in order that I can give as much as I can. And so his argument was, you know, I am. I'm gonna chase wealth and try to earn as much as I possibly can. And he's a preacher and he was one of the wealthiest um people in England when he was preaching. I mean, or yeah, in his era. And uh you know That just doesn't sit right with a lot of people. They have a preacher who's actively trying to um, create wealth. But when you understand the purpose behind it, that it's to glorify God, that it's using his gifting mm-hmm. that God has given him and to maximize it, to take his talents that he's had and not bury them in ground, but really to make the most out of them. And that just really resonated with me. And um, and I didn't know what that looked like practically, but as we kind of started with that, my wife, Linda, somewhere in here, she, we get married and we're all this debt, we're trying to pay off and all this stuff, but like, we're trying to apply this to our lives. Like, how can we be really good stewards and just, not waste money and not be you know, like so many Americans who are just flippantly wasting money on a lot of stuff, just being strategic and wise about it. Um, But at the same time, like really using our giftings and the things that God has, um, yeah, just gifted us with to make as much as we possibly can. And ultimately with the end goal of impacting the kingdom, having resource to be able to give away and to be able to use for whatever he's called us to do. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, are you speaking, it sounds like what I, what i'm hearing there is it's really about what is your motive for making money is yeah, my motive exactly. to enrich myself my lifestyle yeah. or is it in that if i make more i can give more i can bless more like you know as a you know i have 3 adult kids right like w- when they're moving into an apartment and it's their first time and they don't have any money and they're scraping together you know uh furniture from the thrift stores yeah to be able to go in and just, you know, be able to bless them and go, hey, let's go to Ikea and get you a couple, you know, some, you know, a good couch and a good bed, just little things. Uh, right. I mean, and then there's big things. I mean, look at what's happening over in Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when this comes out, I'm sure, you know, this is going to still be friend of mine. That's where my family's from. Oh, wow. And yeah, uh, that's where my mom, that's where my grandpa immigrated from. Huh. And we've been able to give quite a bit to support causes we know are samaritans purse and and red cross but i'd love to write a check that had an extra zero on those bob yep yep i really would me too like it bothers me that at this point in my life i can't write a check that has an extra one or two zeros on it cuz i know what it means to the the folks over there and i'm connected to it personally even though i haven't met my relatives from ukraine but still it weighs on me in our world though I think we have to be careful as believers. You know, this is an interesting thing to share with you and everybody listening. I'll, I'll sit down with my clients that are not Christians. Okay, and say, hey, let's plan the future. What do you want to make? What do you want to do? And I'll do it flows. I want to do this, and I want to have a second home on the beach. And if I had that second home, man, I'd bring people down in my family, and we'd create memories, and I'd let friends use it. And I mean, they're just, it's flowing. And then I almost feel like when I do this with people that are, you know, Christians, all of a sudden it's like, they're afraid to actually share some of these goals and dreams because it sounds secular. It sounds materialistic. And, and I'm, you know, my question to them always is whose voice are you listening to? Is it that judgmental person in your Bible study? Is it what you, the opinion of what you think your pastor might have? Or, What if you put all those things down that you want to do? You want to give a million dollars. You want to have a second home to do this. What if you just put all that stuff down and didn't listen to any of those voices? Then you bring it to the Lord in prayer and say, God, is any of this stuff that is a desire of my heart also line up with desires of your heart? And where are those intersections? And then all of a sudden, possibilities start to erupt. But I got to tell you, I really, in my opinion, Bob, the enemy uses people's ignorance if that's the right word of what god talks about in the bible about money to completely uh just block us from things that would be incredibly good yep in what we could do in the world in partnership with 100%. god
1: yeah no and I, I love your framework i love that idea of just taking these things, these things that, these natural desires that you have in your heart and praying about them and seeing where God goes. And and to your point, like the blockage, no, like I just believe that as Christians, we should be the ones who are showing the world how to do this money thing the right way. You know what I mean? And that we should be the one who are financing all of this stuff. And we shouldn't be dependent on the Bill and Linda Gates Foundation, you know, to be like, it should be believers. And so that's just, yeah, that's a passion of mine to, help break off some of those limiting beliefs that we've established um i think in many cases inaccurately because we just read one verse not in the context of the bible as a whole Um, because you can take one verse about money on either side and build a whole theology off it but when you see the whole bible as a whole and i i think you have a very different perspective
0: well yeah and let's go let's go there because people quote it all the time that money is the root of all evil and that's misquoting the verse yeah yeah, it is the love of money. It's making money an idol. Yeah. But when you when you said okay, you know, you and Linda, uh, I, I don't know where you were in your marriage. How long have you guys been married? Sixteen years. So sixteen years, and you said okay, we want to give a million dollars away. Yeah. Now, how do I do that? I have to serve people. I have to add value to people. I have to I have to invest in people's lives. When you're coming at it this way, and you see money as a measure of the impact, the positive impact that you've made. Because you want to take it and give it away. Money is no longer an idol. You're in partnership with God and doing those good works that he prepared beforehand. Yeah. Right? Because it's that love of money. And and you know what? I also think having people around you that are really thinking clearly to help us not only weed out some of those mindsets, but also hold us accountable. Because I think we could start out on a good path and we could drift back into making it about myself right we go from a place of service to a place of pride and you know what and and having uh that is where our relationship with god and having people around us i think is really important yeah and so i 100 percent agree and i think that's one of the
1: challenging things and i think that's why there's so many warnings about wealth all throughout the bible um and because It is hard. It's not easy. And it's a constant heart check. It's a constant submission to God to make sure that our hearts are in the right place. But I'm often challenging people who are kind of kicking back with the idea of, well, I'm just going to try to not make much money so that I'm not tempted. And it's like, that isn't accurate either. Like if you look at the parable of the talents, like where in the Bible does it say that we can take the giftings that God's given us and just kind of, hide them and keep them from making an impact on the world so that we don't get much money. Because like you said, like when we continue to add value to the world around us, when we provide value and help people like, you know, income naturally flows. And so you almost have to like intentionally squash that. And that just doesn't sit right with me biblically that we would try to do that. So I don't think that that, you know, is a way out of this discussion. It's like, I think we have to, learn how to do money and handle it right and handle our hearts right like because this is it's all about the heart that's where it really all comes down to and it's not easy but I don't think there's a better alternative because you can you know be completely broke and poor and be uh succumb to the deceitfulness of riches or you can have a whole lot of wealth and have your heart just right and be it right in step with what God's calling you to do you know so
0: no to uh completely agree with you the uh and think about that, the parable of the talents, right? The one 3X'd it and one 5X'd it. How many of us are 3X'ing or 5X'ing our money? Yeah. How, how many of us, myself included, I'm talking to myself, we're debt-free, right? It says, be, be beholden to no man. It also says that we should be able to take care of uh, generations, our kids and our kids' kids, which means not only are you debt-free, but you have enough wealth that there's an inheritance for your kids. That is not how the, that's not what we've been taught in our culture. And you know what That is, So here's the question. What is the process to move toward that Bob? Because I, I would love to hear what you've come up with and what you're teaching. Cause I, I think it's really valuable. Yeah. So, I mean, I
1: think just being completely honest that the process is different for every person, like, because personal finance is personal. Um, I'm not someone who's going to claim that there is a you know one single path and solution for every single person that they have to follow. But what we've done in the book that I feel like I felt really good about in this, and we're actually teaching a live class off of the book, and it's just resonating really, really well, where you know we're taking some of the best principles that we've learned about how to manage our money um, effectively and how to just um, do it in a way where we're actually growing it, where we're simplifying it. Um, because I'm also somebody who kind of nerds out on, um, just making things really efficient and really easy. You know, I, I, I'm a gardener, I, you know, it's part of why we named our site, uh, seed time, because I see the correlation between really anything and gardening, but, but I'm a gardener and I love perennial vegetables or any kind of perennial plant where I do the work one time, plant it in the ground, you know, water for a little bit, and then it comes back every single year over and over and over again. I'm not one of the people who likes to go out and plant flowers every year and then they die and plant them again, like over and over and over, and over again. So my point is I try to apply that to almost all of my life. So how can we, take our financial life and begin to automate it in a way where it like sets us on a path towards success without having to work at it every month without having to every single month um, try to find scrape around money to save or to give or whatever those things are Um, but then beyond that like you know so the book like we talked about kind of follow this framework of earn all you can save all you can give all you can and then we add a piece to it to actually enjoy it all because i believe this process can be enjoyable each one of them because there's a lot of people hate working, hate earning money, hate saving money, uh, and then a lot of people hate giving money. And I think there's a way to do this all with a tremendous amount of joy. And uh, and so that's kind of the approach that we take throughout the book and kind of leading people on this journey.
0: Yeah. And in here, um, you talk, there's kind of four parts of this framework and how you put this together. Can you, you know, as somebody sitting here, you know, probably, you, you know, trying to figure out their budget or you know, prices are going up right now. Like I looked at my food budget last month and we were frugal and um, it's me, my wife and my son. And we spent $2,200 on groceries last month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to tell you, there's like, there's no, you know, there's nothing fancy in that. I'm like, honey, what? And she goes, no, like, I don't know how to do anything differently. I think there's a lot of people right now that are, right? They're like, okay, how do I start putting some places, you know, in uh, putting some things in place that help me start to have a little bit more peace around this and some clarity. So where would we start? Yeah. Well, one of the first things that I
1: think everyone should do that if I'm honest or I'll I'll just tell you, like, I I didn't do this because I blew it off because I thought I was too smart for it or whatever. Um, But everyone should be tracking exactly where their spending is going and paying attention to it. Okay. Like there, it's never been easier in the history of the world to do this. And so apps like mint.com, personalcapital.com, like you can go back, you can go in today. I use, and I use
0: simplify by Quicken and I yeah. look at everything and I'm like, Oh, Hey, look at this. Yeah. Here, here's a recurring payment. I thought we canceled that, but just by focusing on that this year, we've, we've been able to carve out probably uh, probably a couple thousand dollars of savings just from paying attention to where we're spending yep.
1: money. 100%. And just like what you're talking about with you, the fact that you know that you spent $2,200 on groceries last month, like most people don't. And, um, and we talk to people all the time who are like, yeah, we spent uh, probably about $200 eating out each month. And then I'll have them do this exercise and I'll be like, oh, man, it was like seven, dollars $800. <laughs> like most people just have no idea how much they're actually spending. And when you don't have any idea, then you can't fix the problem spots. So it's incredibly simple, but it's such an important first step to just knowing exactly what's going on. So this is like the food journal thing that if you go to yep, dietitian, they're going to say, write down everything you eat. And simply by doing that, simply by writing it down, you begin to eat better. And it's the same with our money. Simply by paying attention to where we're spending, you begin to spend less money and you don't even have to try. It just happens automatically. And so it's, such right. a and powerful it's so easy. First step. It
0: connects to your bank account, connects to your credit cards. You go through once, categorize everything, look at the report, and then you go, oh boy. Ah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I used to be a financial planner before my accident. Yep. And, you know, and um, I always thought in my head, cause I'd look at everything every month, but I didn't really have a good budgeting platform. I honestly thought I had a really good handle on what we're spending in the amounts. And to your point, Bob, I wasn't even close yep. when I actually looked at the numbers. And so, okay. I think that is a great, okay. Now that we have that as a starting point, where do we go from there?
1: Well, in terms of groceries, um, you know, it's the biggest opportunity for most people to save money. There's just a lot of different options here. And I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily the uh, hyper frugality type, um, you know, but simply by making changes, like this is another one. I think it's like 30 or 40% in America. Like this is mind-blowing for us because we eat all of our food, but I think it's like 30 to 40% of what people spend on groceries gets thrown away because... They don't, whatever, leave food on the table or it spoils in the fridge or whatever. And, you know, that's a ton of money. Like if you're talking about $2,200 a month, like that's a lot of money. And so like, that's one simple thing just buying things that you know you're going to eat.
0: Yeah, our goal is actually, honey, I'm like, what if we could get that to 1500? I don't know if that's possible with the cost of groceries right now, but hey, let's set a target. Can we get there? And so that's something we're focused on. And then throwing stuff away, man, that just drives me crazy.
1: Yeah. And it's so there's so much money to be saved there uh, beyond that. I mean, all of us, I mean, in any kind of like uh suburban or urban area, like probably have a lot of different grocery store options and the difference between shopping at Aldi and Whole Foods, I mean, it might be three times as much. And so if you have your place that you've always gone and you're really trying to cut back on that budget, like, you know, it might be worth just trying a different store. And so like I know for us, we there's sometimes we go to Whole Foods for certain things. Sometimes we go to Trader Joe's. Sometimes we go to Sprouts. And I don't know how many of these are, um, are Sprouts. I don't know if it's national or not, but anyway, each one of these grocery of here stores, in Denver. Yeah, they're very different. Like that what we spend at each one of them, but like Trader Joe's, if we go there versus Sprouts, it's like we spend less every single time, right 50 or hundred dollars. And you know, that adds up. And it's just simply by going to a different store. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, okay, so look at each category and say, okay, how do we make this more efficient? Where can we cut? Yeah. The question is, so I think it's understanding where you're spending your money. What's kind of the the next step in the process? I mean, we can go
1: a couple different directions with this, but um, you know, so there's the the money side of it, the spending wisely, like reducing expense, but at the end of the day, there's only so far you can go down. There's only so much that you can cut. So focusing on this earning side is a really important factor because there's no limit to how much we can earn and um, and I think that oftentimes especially for the more frugally minded people it feels easier to try to you know shave you know on reducing grocery expenses and all that is good but you get to the point the law of diminishing returns a little bit where you know you're reusing ziploc bags to save five cents or whatever and it's like all right maybe you should spend a little bit of time focusing on the income side of this equation and so yeah because the expense that,
0: side of the equation optimizing that is not going to help you pay off your mortgage yeah yeah dramatically I mean, probably anyway.
1: not you're probably <laughs> not going to be able to you know cut that far to, yeah pay off your mortgage in three years you know um so yeah so that's one of the things that you know we focus on in the book too is helping people really start you know and a couple different pieces we go into with this but one of them is getting in line with the things that God has naturally gifted you to. So I spent many years working in jobs that I was not naturally gifted for, that God had not gifted me for. And that's an incredibly frustrating experience. Like for anybody who's in that position where you can work as hard as you want, but you're never going to be great at what you do because you're just not hardwired to be great at it. And so Einstein has this quote that I love where he says, If you judge a fish by his ability to climb a tree he will always think that he's an an idiot basically and we have that going on like all of us are gifted in different ways and yet there's a lot of people in jobs that they're not gifted for and so it doesn't matter how hard they work they're never going to be thriving in that position and that's one of the important things is to at least be moving in that direction to continue chasing work where you are in line with what God has gifted you to do. Because when you do that, it's like you have the wind at your back. It's an unfair advantage over everyone else, all the other fish trying to climb trees or whatever, because now you're a monkey trying to climb a tree and you have such a big advantage. And so that's one thing I'm always trying to encourage people to do. And it's not easy. Like for me, this took probably five, 10 years to kind of transition out of that into work where I was stepping into what I was gifted to do.
0: I I love that, you know, the point you're making there because, you know, where I was before, that place of smoldering discontent and and my life, my decisions had got me into a place where I did not personally feel like I had options to explore other ways to make money, other careers. I'm like, I'm 45 years old. I'm not going to make a pivot now. And what I realized was after the accident, because I was forced to yeah uh make a complete pivot and i didn't realize at the time i had the i had the power to completely rewrite my script partner with god and write a different story yeah and i'm like oh my gosh i wish i i that was always an option i didn't think it was an option and what so i good. think also working with a lot of people in this exact same place bob i've seen three typical outcomes right there's way more than three but here's typical is I really go through this process, Bob just mentioned, and I really reconnect to why I'm maybe in the job or the position or the company or the role that I'm in. And I go at it with renewed passion and vigor, some more self-awareness, and you're able to move up and be more impactful. The other one is you go through this process, you realize, what am I doing doing this job? And there is something else out there and something better. I'll just tell you this, my, my sister was stuck in that. And as we really, I did some coaching with my sister. She, not, she found a new job that had a 4X pay raise. She went from going into the office to working remote, which is what she wanted to do. Yep. And it's in an industry that she is absolutely just thrilled about. And she never thought this was, and it, by the way, it took her 200 applications and about half a dozen interviews, but she kept at it once we kind of got focused. And she could not be more excited about life right now. And here's kind of the third option is I love what I'm doing, but it doesn't really fit the bill. I don't want to leave this career, but I need something on the side. So I'm going to do some low cost probes and I'm going to go find some other things that I can do to either fill the gap, maybe philanthropically or fill the gap monetarily. Like what are some side things that I can do? Because there's a lot of options, but I know I'm in the career that I need to be in, but it's not quite enough. But I would really encourage people, you know, working with a coach, being around Bob, probably the training, the webinars, things you do, folks, there are so much more options than you realize right now that frustration comes from feeling like we are just in a, like in this box and we don't have control. That's so good.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it's just being in the 21st century, like we have a better opportunity than anyone in the history of the world to work within those things that God has called us to do. And that's what's so exciting because, like you're talking about John, like there's, like I, I'm reminded of my brother-in-law who became a um, luthier out of college, and so he started building guitars, and he did that for many what, years. What a luthier! Luthier, yeah. It,
0: was that a guitar maker? Yep, yep. That's so cool. I never heard yeah, of that. So okay. he's building
1: guitars and did that for many years and um, became really great at what he was doing, you know. But he's building these really high-end guitars. Like they start, they're the price of a car. Like they start at like twenty-five thousand um, dollars. For what he's doing like the level of craftsmanship and everything else and so you know most of his customers are very very wealthy many are billionaires type of that's his clientele and that market is just super fickle market and and he you know and and honestly the margins aren't that big because of the amount of work it takes to build them Mm -hmm. so he ended up deciding like um kind of almost accidentally discovering another kind of income stream because he kept on getting people emailing him saying hey how do you do your necks like that or how do you put the frets in or how do you do this or what kind of headstocks or whatever all these questions from guitar builders aspiring guitar builders and he was initially kind of annoyed by them and they realized wait a minute there might be something here like what if I somehow taught and find a way to teach these people and so he ends up creating this online course teaching people how to build guitars and it's gone on to be incredibly successful and i think um you know eclipsed his guitar making earnings and it's just another way to recalibrate his gifts that he has and use them in a different way that you know wouldn't have been possible 30 years ago but now thanks to the internet it is And uh, yeah, and there's just so many different options like that and different ways that we can take the things God's gifted us and turn it into some form of monetization.
0: Yeah, okay. So I think understanding where I'm starting, really getting clear. I think understanding what is possible because you know what? If we start doing some research and looking, I don't care whether you're 80 years old listening to this or you're 25, we can find some other people that have expanded the, uh, the gap, I, I love that saying, right? When your income exceeds your outgo, your upkeep will be your downfall, right? Yeah, so, that's good. okay, so yeah. <laughs> we're opening the gap versus closing the gap. And, and while well, we're doing both then, but here's a question I wanna ask you, cause this has always been, I think part of it. And I think this is a key to this is in giving. And you guys have, and I love something you've done. And it's a goal my wife and I have is you've always given your age as in like you're 30, we're going to give 30%. One of the things Don and I have done, you know, I was so grateful for God sparing my life and giving me a second chance. We said, we're going to tithe off of our gross. And we set up a donor advice run through national Christian foundation. And I take 10% of everything we make. And it goes straight into that before anything else happens yeah. And that's like, Definitely. that's where we were able to give to Ukraine. That's where we give to any, you know, and we want to do more. Yeah. But where does giving in that spirit of philanthropy play into how we, are, I think our relationship with money?
1: I don't know. Like, I, I think this is something that, um you know, I can speak to the journey that God has brought us on, you know, because yeah, I grew up just being very, uh stingy greedy like just not any interest in giving um you know one of the stories i tell sometimes is that you know as a new christian um, when i was down in florida actually in that sabbatical you know barely a christian at this point i would say um i was going to this really small church and they had a guest preacher come in and during the service like right in the middle of it you know it's a church of probably 70 people and he stops his message and right in the middle he goes who here isn't tithing and like really like just gruff and you know like and anyway i thought this there's a rhetorical question and so i'm just kind of ducking my head and anyway they asked again like who here is not tithing <laughs> and so i finally realized like this dude really wants an answer and i'm like trying to like can i crawl out of here like it was so uncomfortable because you know it's a small church everybody knows everyone it's quiet um and anyway and he just kept at it like just determined to get an answer and Anyway, finally, like two guys kind of raised their hand and said that they weren't consistently tithing, and so then he calls them down to the front um, and then publicly berates them in front of the whole church for not consistently tithing.
0: Oh my and word!
1: I, and I remember, like, you know, because I'm That's a new a bold Christian move. at this point. Yeah, I remember thinking, like, all right, is this is this it? Is this how giving is? Is this what giving is? Like, is this how it works in a church? And you know it's so i had to like figure out like what is you know real genuine biblical giving from the heart and, you know jesus saying it more blessed to give than to receive like what is that what is that because i didn't really know what that was and anyway and through you know really just obeying god like we just kind of obeyed god when he asked us to do things it kind of felt a little bit crazy you know and one of those was just giving some money to um some friend of the family that was you know really broke and needed it and we didn't know the situation but being able to be there and kind of be part of that miracle that they were believing for and like seeing mm-hmm. all that and experiencing it. It's like, whoa, okay. All right. So this this feels a whole lot different than that day, you know, when I watched, you know, those two scapegoats march down to get berated for not consistently tithing. You know, you know, and and we've been, you know, tithing to our local church for twenty years now, you know. So it's like I don't have a problem See, with that. And that but I,
0: in that whole attitude to me just speaks to like this like input impo- it's being imposed. It's an obligation. There is exactly. a huge difference of me writing whatever whatever money I give from a place of obligation or a place of gratitude, Yep. right? And when I had no money and Don and I were like, you know what? I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful that God has, you know, connected us to some of the best medical care out there that, I mean, he opened doors for some of the people that treated me, surgeons and so forth that were the best in the world. Like all of a sudden we're like, we're going down to meet this guy who's a world-renowned facial reconstruction surgeon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm not all my face isn't all jacked you look up. Look great, <laughs> thanks. I mean, but I mean that was God. I mean, I, yeah. th- this guy's like I, I like we never work with really patients like you with these kind of accidents, and it's kind of cool oh, how yeah. this all worked out. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Like, I mean, we are loved, and yeah. like when I was in God's presence, Bob, I knew when I first felt his presence, what overwhelmed me was unconditional love. And I knew that anything and everything I had ever done in the past was not even relevant. It is hard to describe unconditional love because we don't get it from other people. We don't, right? You might get it from your golden retriever, but you don't get it from people. And when I was in his presence and I knew that he cared about me as a person, that anything and everything i had ever done is not relevant to this relationship he has with me right now. He wants the best for me. The first thing he said to me in his presence was, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. He was telling me that because he knew that I was going to go through a very, very difficult journey. And he wanted me to know that he is with me, that he has a plan and just trust him, even when what's happening to me and to my mind does not make sense. And from that place, the the act of giving to me was never like, I'm going to give to get. I'm going to give because I have to. I want to give and I wish I could give more because I'm so grateful that I'm so loved. I'm yeah. so blessed. And even though we went through some stuff that was absolutely brutal, I mean, it, wasn't, it was not enjoyable. But now looking back on who I am and what's happened in my marriage, my life since then, I honestly, I mean, we can't take it back, but I would tell you, I wouldn't want to take it back because yeah. of who I've become in this journey God has had through me of, of pruning. And I think when we start looking, one of the things I do is every day in my journal, and this has become a habit as I've gone through this because some days it was hard to be grateful, but I just started saying, you know, what I do, what my gratitude's. And you know what I start out with, Bob? I say, I'm grateful, John, that yesterday you chose to not get upset at Donna. I used to react to things, right? I've worked on, you know, some anger and marriage issues, you know, things like that, right? I'm grateful that I made this choice yesterday. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for my kids. Like, I start out with gratitudes. And then I start out with affirmations, how I view myself. I'm channeling how God sees me. And then I write down intentions, This is what I'm going to do today. I'm trying to get in shape. One of the things is, and my intentions, I'll only eat things that I know are going to help me get to my optimum weight and health. But I got to tell you, just being in touch with what you're grateful for totally shifts your brain on tithing. And now no longer is it an obligation. And what I have found is we've tithed the joy and the blessings that that has opened up. I'm not, I don't think it's opened up massive extra income, but I I know I can see the places that it, that giving was in partnership with God's will in somebody else's life or somebody else's circumstance. And the fact that we had this privilege, this honor to be part of what God is doing in somebody else's life yeah. to me is just like, man, that, that is the best, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: And I mean, and I think the whole, um, tithing or giving and then just expecting money to come in the mailbox. Like it's just short-sighted, like to limit God's blessings to only something that could be measured in dollars. It's it's just so short-sighted for how good and how big God is that it almost seems silly thinking about it that way. Because we, but when you look um, at the blessings, all these things you're talking about, um, you know, it's like the same with us, it's like, you know, we're giving a significant amount of our income away at this point, but the life that we live now is so much more blessed in every single way I can possibly imagine um, than before we were doing this, and so that's why we've continued to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is out of obedience to God, but and because it's something specific that He's asked us to do, but. Um, but beyond that, it's like there's a selfish, almost selfish motivation where it's like life is just more blessed this way. So why would I not want to continue this, you know?
0: Yeah. And you know what? It makes me think back to what we started with around that motive around money and the love of money. Mm-hmm. Right. If I don't feel like I have to hold on to it, but I feel like I'm a steward of it and I'm holding it with an open hand. Yep. And giving then is something joyful and fun. If, that, if you get there on your giving, you're not going to have to worry about your motive and your motivation when it comes to how you think of money or money becoming an idol, yep. right? That That is kind of maybe your checkpoint. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I love it. Well, with that, okay. How do people connect with you? Finally, the book, Simple Money, Rich Life. It comes out. It's coming out right now. It's something I'm going to sit down, uh, by the way, for everybody listening, with my wife We love reading books together. We've read all kinds of books, relationship books, personal development books, uh, uh, spiritual books, and we read them and then we talk about them. We're going to be reading Simple Money, Rich Life together with our kids and talking about everything that's in there as we are continuing to move forward with what we want, what I think God's called us to do in the world and financially. So how do people connect with you, find you, get the book? Bob. Yeah,
1: so yeah, um, simplemoneybook.com, you can just go there and grab it. Beyond that, if anybody wants to just kind of take a sneak peek at it, if you go to 3daymoneychallenge.com, we're giving away three of our, really, I think three of the most important um, practical takeaways from the book that anybody can go get, you can try that out. Like, I just really wanna see people impacted with what's in here. And so if somebody can't afford it, like. Start there, try those out. And then if you love that, if you like, you know, then go grab the book or something. But point is um, there's three different things that I think are really important that almost everybody should be doing. So that, and then just our website, or we have a podcast, Seed Time Money Podcast, any of the above. Yeah, love to connect.
0: That's awesome. And uh, the Three Day Money Challenge, that's T-H-R-E-E. So it's spelled out. Either one, they both should go there. Yep. Everybody go there. And uh, Bob, thank you, you know, just uh, thank you for what you're doing. I'm excited for this. Love to stay in touch. And yeah, uh, same here. even uh, follow up as we implement some of the things uh, in the book, maybe even do kind of a follow up because I shared with you kind of exactly where we're at before we hit record. But as everybody, I just want to share with you, this is something that's been really front of mind for Donna and I, you know, 10 years, you know, I mean, we got wiped out 10 years ago and we've been slowly rebuilding, trusting God. I'm 55, and I'm like, okay, how do we get to that future where we really can give more, be debt-free, bless our kids more? And it's something that I believe God has put on our heart right now in this season, and it's something worthy of focusing on. It's not something secular because uh, you, you study scripture. there I, th- I think money is talked about more in scripture than most other concepts. I don't know. Yeah, I can't quantify than, that, but it's probably- Heaven and hell combined, I believe. Um, there's a lot of different,
1: yeah. It's, it's a, I've, over 2000 verses I've heard reference money in one way or another.
0: There you go. All right, my friend, keep knocking them alive. And one of these days, if I get down to uh, Tennessee, I'd love to uh, buy you lunch. Yeah, love to connect. All and right. you know what, next time- because I forgot to ask you, you've traveled all over the world for free as part of your strategy on all these things, and I forgot to ask you about that. So we needed to do a, a follow up on just some of the amazing hacks that you found yeah. around uh, yeah. uh, around living life and blessing others. How's that?
1: Great. I'll send you a link. You can put in the show notes if you want to give you a head start. That'd be awesome. All
0: right. all right, Bob. You have a great one, man. Good talking with you.
1: You too, Jen. Take care.